And in the huddle, we believe in integrity, truth, always being 100% with our fans. So when we said we would not be back before August 1st, JB, we were absolutely, yeah. Lying. Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> Isn't the truth. know it? That's good. I like that. Or maybe a little too optimistic or pessimistic, perhaps, about our own capabilities. Um, so by accident, which is how the show started in 2008 anyway, so why should it change in 12 years? Um, you know, we did a poll this weekend, and Pat Coleman from D3Football.com, who is uh, sometimes one of our worst critics and sometimes one of our best friends in the COVID uh, discussions that we've had over time and what has happened because of them, uh, he actually retweeted it, and because of it, we got over 1,300 responses. For the first time ever, we broke 1,000 responses in a poll. Here it is. Thanks. Yep, question about spring football, uh, what uh, people would support in terms of the type of season. Uh, we had uh, three choices and then unsure. We're going to talk about a fourth choice here that wasn't really in this list, but we'll, we'll talk about it. But we wanted to talk about spring football again because what's clear from some of the back and forth we saw, JB, is that not everybody understands fully what the implications of playing a full season may be or five games, or a bunch of things. We talked to Dr. Strickland about the health issues, and, yep. you know, uh, Dr. Poison, uh, we uh, talked to yep. him about, you know, just the logistics issues, but what about what it does to the student-athletes themselves, and what about the NCAA's decisions that still have to be clarified so far? Those are the two things what that sprung. Yeah, well, yeah. So... <laughs> I mean, would you like to give a disclaimer about, you know, um, our statement that we were kind of done for a few weeks and all that stuff? No, I just think that, you know, as we're seeing, we're pretty much on the precipice now of the of official cancellation of, of fall sports championships. There's only what I think you're the last post that you had made 34 of the 247. It's basically 13 percent of um, the colleges and universities in Division Three that, that sponsor football are still hanging on. Um, there was a conference that made an announcement this week that was pretty newsworthy, and hey, we were actually lucky enough to get the commissioner of that conference to talk to us, and we'll refer to that a little later. But um, there was some news going on, so hey, why not? Let's just throw another show out there. For those that are wondering if it's the MIAC that came on our show uh, in, uh, in an interview, not so much. And if you've read our Twitter this week, you know it became ultimately the butt of our jokes of sorts, uh, though it's not very funny when it took them four days to announce what their decision was. And we, we've gone overboard on discussing that stuff. But let's go to a show at this point. This is our 10th postseason episode. 10 postseason episodes. Because we can't call this preseason. Or maybe we can, based on our interview coming up here on In the Huddle. Okay, uh, Chuck Urigan from the uh, American Rivers Conference will join us later on in the show. Uh, the ARC, as we teased uh, earlier, is the conference that has decided, at least as of this recording, to go for it in the fall. And 
you know what? Points for ingenuity, points for trying. There are some things you're going to want to listen to in that conversation, though, about testing, guidelines, and the things that may have made other teams not want to play or unable to play, they're not necessarily buying 100% into. You're going to want to watch that and listen to it and make your own decisions about you know, what you think about the approach. It's not, they're not going willy-nilly, don't get me wrong, at the ARC no. schools, but they are definitely doing it differently in a lot of different ways right now and admit they may have to back off and go to the spring anyway, which is what a lot of schools have done. JB, your takeaway from the poll that we uh, cited in the beginning of the show, uh, you know, 50, I think it was, was it 51-ish percent uh, said they want a full spring season with playoffs, which goes completely against what Dr. Strickland was talking about in terms of smashing together possibly 20 to 30 games in an eight to nine month period and the effects it can have on the body. But hey, we didn't put that into the question. We wanted people to give us their own opinions. There it was. What are your thoughts on the poll results so far? Well, I think at the end of the day, players want to play, coaches want to coach, uh, parents want to see their kids um, on the field. So I'm not surprised that there was at least some interest in in having a replacement season if the fall is going to go away. But basically, you know, Dr. Poisson said it pretty well. There's so many logistical, and as we outlined in our last you know, postseason show, it's a lot of challenges to getting a, a spring season. So I think the skeptics are probably, you know, part of the reason why we saw on the other side, other hand of the poll, that they're, they're not really sure if it's really going to work out. And there's still a lot of questions left unanswered that we can try to get into here, but it's, it's going to take some time to really flush this all out. Indeed. Uh, so we want to go through first before we play that uh, interview. We don't, we're not going to keep you here forever uh, on this show, folks. Uh, we're going to uh, go probably uh, 20 minutes of us and uh, about 25 minutes of our uh, guests. We're already five minutes in, basically. So uh, let, let's roll here at this point. But let's talk about, yeah, <laughs> you're giving me the speed up sign, eh? Uh, <laughs> let's, let's go to the different concepts that we are seeing in the spring and the pros and the cons of them. This is what we couldn't really do as a preamble to the poll because Twitter has a character limitation and we could never have even started scratching the surface to give you all this information. Nope. But let's kind of go here now. Let's go to the first option, the one that won the most votes ultimately, which was play a full season, which is basically eight to 10 games. We know that Hobart has played eight before and other schools as well. Uh, in the past, uh, after 9-11, yep. uh, we had an eight game season for a lot of teams because they had scheduled nine, lost one uh, to 9-11. Uh, but basically play a, an 8-10 to 10 games uh, schedule and have playoffs moved. Now, that's an NCAA decision ultimately to move the playoffs, and we can't guarantee it would happen, but we wanted to see if people were interested in that option. Well, what are the pros and the cons? Pros, obviously, you're going to utilize your eligibility for purpose of a conventional season. Great, okay. Uh, you know, your chances uh, yeah. for playoffs uh, and everything else, great. Uh, you know, there's more cons here than pros when you kind of look at it, though. Health, safety, welfare issues still creep up. Uh, spring sports, uh, the crossovers for two-sport athletes play out so that you don't have your full football team there. Plus, you won't have your full uh, baseball team, possibly, unless they can segment out the sports and not overlap them. But that's going to be pretty tough to do when you really get down to it uh, for field sure. space issues, etc. And overall, it's... Just a lot of stress on campuses across the country trying to play 10 to 15 weeks worth of football or 8 to 13 weeks in some cases 
yep. in that manner. I just it's it's really tough to do, especially if you still have to do COVID testing of some sort at that point in time. Were you surprised this one won it though? I mean, you just said you know coaches want to coach, players want to play, but you saw the other <laughs> options that were up there. Why not pick the five game option compared to this one? Do you think? Well, I think, uh, you know, based on what happened in March, we saw an entire season just get wiped out and that's not getting replaced. And and so I think a lot of student athletes um, know that that's a distinct possibility that they may completely lose, um, you know, their last year, you know, especially for seniors, that their, their, their career could basically be over. So, yeah, it would make sense that they would say, like, well, hey, you know, if I, if I got one left or – uh, if we lost the season in the fall, we should try and get it back in the in the spring. It's definitely more of an optimistic, um, you know, glass half full type of approach. And I'm, I don't blame uh, student athletes, uh, coaches, and parents for being interested in that. One other uh, con here, uh, something that I, I want to bring up now is eligibility. You would use your eligibility uh, for that year by playing in that season. So, and there would not be a blanket waiver of, let's say you stop playing at five games and your team played 10, the waiver specifically says the blanket waiver that yeah. the blanket only works if the team just plays the five games ultimately. So your eligibility gone for a season that may not be a full participation season for your team. Then there's the issue. This was not in the poll list, but this was brought up by others that maybe it should have been. So we'll talk about it now. Full season, no playoffs. So basically eight to 10 games, uh, play a full conference round robin in some cases, maybe include a couple non-conference games for the shorter uh, round robins that are out there, uh, like the ECFC, for instance. Okay, interesting. Um, again, uh, pro is you know having something to shoot for, I guess, uh, have a full competition slate of sorts out there. Yep. But the cons, again, seem to outweigh it. Now you don't even have the playoffs to justify using the year of eligibility. You've used the year of eligibility. There's no waiver that will apply to you or blanket waiver unless you have a medical uh, hardship that happens during it. And still you're facing the you know team dilution issue between spring sports and the fall sport of football that may occur if you're going to go stretch out eight to ten weeks because there's only so many months and weeks in the spring term. You, you're going to have overlap no matter what you do if you go that long. Let's go to the next one as well. Now, this was a poll option in the uh, low 20%. Play five games or less. Now, a lot of people question why this was an option. And we saw, I think, the initial folks that our audience, our normal in-the-huddle audience uh, that were you know, on our Twitter page, sort of actually split the first three options almost evenly in the first 100 or so votes that we got. And then it got retweeted to the national audience and it seemed to get lopsided very much so toward the 10 games or full season plus playoffs. So now let's look at the five game situation. Plus, you don't use a year of eligibility. Okay. Second, you're still able possibly to do some kind of conference championship system if you use divisions ultimately, especially for uh, conferences with basically even number of teams is the best case scenario for that. And also yeah. 10 or less teams uh, it makes it possible because you go five and five, you play four games uh, round robin in each division and determine a winner from each division do crossovers for week five. That's yeah. possible, okay? The cons, obviously, you may not feel like you're playing for much uh, when it comes down to it for those five games. You're risking injury for a season that's not qualified full season ultimately. 
I mean, you may not get hurt then. Yeah, you may not be able to play in the fall, depending on you know the type of injury and how long a recovery period would be. So it's definitely a risk. You may not come back for a fifth year to use the extra year of eligibility that you regain from the whole situation. That's expensive. It is, and uh, you know, sixty thousand uh, dollar question in some cases. Uh, ultimately, absolutely, uh, that or thirty thousand for a semester if you really wanted to piece it out that way. So that's an interesting prospect. A lot of schools, a lot of conferences have come out and said, that's our option. That's the one we're going to do. Uh, remarkably to me, uh, the American Southwest Conference, the ASC, where Mary Harden-Baylor and Harden-Simmons, those great friends of teams that exist out there in the South, whew, um, they, uh, the ASC basically said, let's play five. And uh, others have begun to tickle toward that direction a little bit, let's say. And... Uh, it seems to be the most practical one if the NCAA doesn't move the playoffs into the spring, which currently we don't think they will, but there is a movement to make it happen. So then there's one other option, JB. This one did not get as many votes, about 20%, give or take. Don't play spring season at all. Pros, no eligibility issues, no two-sport athlete issues, uh, you know, health, safety, welfare issues, not as prevalent, basically, for when you return to play in the fall of 2021. Cons, it's tough to skip a season. Let's face yeah. it. It, it. Why are we even talking about spring football? Because we want to play some football at some point in time. But can we? The logistics we went through in our last show are pretty immense. The problems, the resources, yeah. training staffs, and all that stuff. We've lost winter championships. We've lost the spring season last year, last academic year. If we lose a fall season, then why are we making it up? We can basically say it's one year gone completely. Yeah. yeah. Now, th- that's the devil's advocate of Frank talking right now. Obviously, sure. I could see it both ways. And mm-hmm. uh, I even said this to Pat the other day, I have no dog in this fight, none, because I really can see it both ways. Are you leaning in one way or another in any direction? I guess maybe we should uh, discuss our biases because honestly, I'm not. I just want to see fairness accomplished here and equity accomplished and essentially what the student athletes that play these sports want. I want to see it happen to the degree it's safe. What's your take position on spring football? Yeah, I mean, I guess my bias might be slightly informed um, due to some relationships with uh, certain families that I know they have, um, you know, seniors, and it just sucks for these kids that they're being, you know, put in such a such an awkward position because there's so much that is unknown, and um, it would be unfortunate uh, for a lot of them if if things did get completely canceled because chances are. Most of them are going to just have to, to graduate and, and go off to, to jobs and, and start the next phase of their life, and so they will miss out on a great opportunity of being able to play. Uh, that said, kind of agree with you, too, about the real, like, no real dog in, in the fight necessarily. Um, it's going to be weird not having um, a lot of football games going on this fall, but you know, based on what we know and what we don't know, it's probably the, the the right thing to do. But honestly, three weeks ago, we what the what American Rivers Conference is doing is exactly what we were kind of advocating for. Like, wait and see. Like, you know, if you have to cancel in September, fine. But at the same time, like, why throw in the towel so soon um, when there's still a lot that can change between now and the end of September? 
But hey, we are where we are. There's no changing back. There's no changing it. There's no going back. It, it, what's done is done, and that's it. Good segue. Uh, let's talk about now fall football. How can fall football still be played? There are two ways, technically, but we're not so sure about one of them at this point as of this recording. The blanket waiver rule basically stated that if you're uh, scheduling 50% of your contests or less uh, that you're normally allowed in terms of the maximum, you get the blanket waiver for eligibility purposes. In football, in Division Three, that number is 10 contests. So 10 divided by 2, 50%, is 5. Great. Here's the problem. A lot of schools are thinking about the following. Let's play a scrimmage in the late fall. Let's play Wesley Salisbury. Let's play Mary Harden-Baylor, Harden-Simmons. I don't know for sure if those schools are thinking about it, folks. Those are just examples of one-off games, one-off scrimmages, I should say, that would be spectacles of sort. Things you may want to see, go pay money to watch because, hey, that's the only chance you're going to see your uh, uh, you know, son play, basically, uh, a game in the fall of that uh, in that semester. They've been practicing all term and everything else. Well, normally you get two scrimmages, according to the rules of the NCAA. The question has been posed, we've heard from multiple sources now, whether or not you could put a scrimmage in the fall and a scrimmage in the spring and play five games and that would still meet the blanket waiver scenario because you were playing five contests and two scrimmages and scrimmages hadn't been affected by any of the language. Currently, guidance that we're hearing about from multiple people, again, this is multiple people that have gotten this answer, that essentially scrimmages will count as contests and therefore, if you schedule a scrimmage, you're down to four games. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, here's, two, here's another problem. If you're allowed two scrimmages in 10 games, that's 12 contests. If we're going to call scrimmages contests, technically the number should be six, not five. So right now the NCAA is having it kind of both ways, I would say, with mm-hmm. how they're treating it. Personally, I think the NCAA should come out and say the following. You get one in the fall and one in the spring. You can choose to use the one in the fall, and you'll have to use the same guidelines, or we would prefer to use the same guidelines for testing, et cetera, if you do it in the fall. For testing, you know, 72 hours before the game, using point-of-care testing to the degree you can't get uh, PCR testing, et cetera. We don't know. But that would be one way to get some exposure and actual on-the-field play in the fall with a scrimmage. We'll see the NCAA sort of works that back into a permissible state for waiver purposes. The other way is what the American Rivers Conference is doing. They're playing. Play, plain old playing. Whether or not that means they're going to play only five games is something you'll hear about in this interview coming up. But Chuck Urigan, basically, the commissioner uh, there is basically saying to us, hey guys, we're going. And you know what? It sounds like from just talking to him in general, it's a pretty definitive decision by the conference. It, it, you know, I, I was a little surprised, not to give away anything uh, that we can't, but I was a little surprised by some of the behind-the-scenes discussion we had with them that they want to do this. There is confidence yeah. right now in the ARC. Let's run this interview and then talk about it. 
Okay, JB, you're the pro with the names. I'm going to let you uh, do the first question in a brief intro here. Well, we'd like to welcome from the American Rivers Conference, Commissioner Chuck Jurgen. Did I get that Got sort it. of close? Right? Well you, well you're done. not out in... Thank you. Well, you're not out in your, your usual Iowa. You're visiting some family on the East Coast, but um, you guys made some big headlines this week as being one of the few um, colleges and, and leagues out there that are going to attempt to uh, move forward with a Division Three football season. I'm sure that was applauded by some. Uh, maybe, you know, there's a lot of uh, what I'll call COVID shamers out there on social media and otherwise. I'm sure you're probably taking some heat for the decision. What ultimately led um, Chuck to, to, the, to the conference, you know, deciding, okay, this is something that we think we can do and, and are making a plan to move forward with? Yeah, thanks for having me on, first of all. Yeah, we've, we've, been, um, we've been very deliberative here over the last, uh, you know, over the course of the last several months and, um, you know, organized the COVID action team to, you know, to develop some guidelines for our schools as far as return to campus, return to practice, return to competition, um, certainly taking into account um, local and state guidelines. Um, you know, we are um, somewhat fortunate, I guess, in Iowa and Nebraska that, uh, you know, the virus, um, you know, has certainly had an impact. We're seeing some spike numbers in Iowa recently, but, you um, you know, our, our governor, uh, both governors have been, you know, pretty aggressive about, uh, you know, keeping things alive um, in the state of Iowa. Um, you know, baseball and softball programs at the high school level um, compete in the summer. And so uh, the Iowa State softball tournament for high schools is going on right now. Um, the baseball tournament will uh, hopefully happen next week as long as there aren't um, aren't any, you know, future uh, or, or any severe um, impact from the impacts from the virus. But um, the like the number I got yesterday, I think from one of the Iowa media folks that I talked to was that 96% um, of high school softball and baseball programs have made it through um, and able to, uh, you know, complete their seasons. There certainly were some that had to shut down. Um, Sure. You know, but uh, and then we're also using, you know, guidance from the American College Health Association, certainly not ignoring the NCAA guidelines, but um, they are guidelines. And it's been made very clear from the very beginning that, um, you know, that they were provided as guidelines and that, um, you know, that schools and conferences, um, you know, have the ability, have the option of following what their, you know, local and state authorities are telling us. And, um, you know, we know we know that, um, you know, this thing can change on a dime. Um, and, you know, it's been, uh, you know, it's been, a, you know, one heck of a summer um, so far. And, it, uh, you know, we're certainly not I don't think we're certainly out of the woods at, the, at this point. But, you know, our sure. presidents have made the decision that, um, you know, we're going to go forward. Um, we're not ready, really in a position right now to announce, you know, what our schedule is going to look like. But um, I will, you know, I can give you a, a little heads up that it's not going to be a full it isn't going to be a full conference schedule um, in football. Sure. Um, but uh, but we're. You know, we're, believe me, we've, um, we've thought about a, le a lot of it. We've thought about all of this a, a whole lot and we're using the guidance that's available to us. And um, we just feel like, um, you know, we can, uh, we can proceed at this point. And um, knowing that, again, that, uh, you know, things can change very quickly. But um, for right now, we're, uh, we're full steam ahead. We'll see what happens. Now, you give, you've given us a lot to unpack there uh, in that statement. We want to kind of uh, probe a couple things, uh, obviously. Um, sure. One of the things that we've heard most uh, that, uh, you know, schools that have determined not to play in the fall 
used as not an excuse, but as a realistic problem ultimately is the testing question. You raise the question of the guidelines uh, from the NCAA, but uh, share with us that there are some alternative guidelines that you're looking at. And I actually had heard a coach uh, from another conference yesterday bring this up that uh, there was some question as to what this all means. Is there going to be weekly testing required of the ARC teams in football or in the other, and the other sports? Can you give us some idea of what the minimum threshold is under the new guidelines or the other guidelines? Um, we are, you know, we're, we are not, uh, I mean, I think some of our schools are going to be testing um, and they're not going to be just testing for athletes, but they're going to be testing, you know, the entire student body as they come back on campus. Um, there are others who are going to be, you know, there's certainly going to be an extensive screening process that's done with, again, with the entire student body as it, you know, hopes as those folks, you know, return to campus. Um, so, you know, have you, have you, uh, you know, have you had COVID? You know, somebody who's had COVID, you have any symptoms, you know, those things are going to be going on, you know, in advance of when the, of when our, um, our student athletes report back and when our students report back. And then, you know, certainly monitoring those things when, um, you know, when they, uh, when they get on campus um, and continuing to monitor, you know, monitor during the, the preseason, um, you know, hoping that um, that screening process, I know some schools, some of our schools are handling, um, you know, a quarantine um, in different ways. I think some of them are going to, you know, have mandatory quarantines when the, when their kids come back to try and again, um, you know, start with a good bubble. Um, you know, I don't like that term. It's not, we're not talking about the Orlando bubble, which is close to you, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, right. you know, we're talking about the bubble. We're talking about the bubble that we can hopefully um, create and maintain throughout the preseason so that when we try to start competition, you know, we feel like we're starting with a group of, uh, of football players or soccer players or volleyball players you know, that are, um, you know, that have, you know, that have, that have a solid base when it comes to, you know, having to try and, um, you know, avoid um, contact or transmission of the virus. So, um, you know, I don't know what, when you were, when you're talking about thresholds, like we have, I don't know whether you were getting at thresholds for, you know, how much of a squad has to be affected for us to think about, you know, a cancellation or a postponement of a contest. I mean, I'll be honest, we've had so many decisions to make, um, you know, to get to this point and where we feel like we are comfortable, you know, at least trying to make a go of it for the fall season that we have not really, and this will be the next thing that we really tackle, the next big thing that we tackle is, you know, what are those, what are those thresholds? What, you know, what percentage, what number of, of you know, of affected student athletes do we get to, you know, where we think about, you know, the, the postponement of a of a contest and so you know we're all anticipating that the ncaa is going to cancel fall championships i'll be frank with you um that decision hasn't been announced yet but that's certainly it seems like the way uh, they're leaning um in which case you know we have a little we may have a little bit more flexibility at the end of the season to you know to make up some games we're trying to build a schedule that will have you know some breaks in it that um you know will again maybe allow for um you know, for if we do have outbreaks that, you know, that we may have, a, you know, might have a built in. Um, I'm sorry, but there's there are dogs barking now in the house. So I apologize for that. But yeah, got you know, that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
allow for you know some um, some you know adjustments into you know possible quarantines and whatnot. So if that's what you're talking about with regard to thresholds, that's where we are right now, which is that hasn't been decided. It's uh, you know something that we obviously need to address. Um, but um, but right now we're you know right for right now we're just going to you know emphasize with our with all of our student athletes as our um, as our campuses are addressing with all students in general you know be smart try to be you know try to come in healthy um, and when you get here you know do especially if you're you know an athlete um, try to do the right things to uh, you know to maintain the bubble knowing how difficult that's going to be I mean uh, you know the Miami Marlins are still in Philadelphia we, we know that you know we know that these things are are going to be tough but um, you know the, I guess the other part of this is that things have changed so so much so often that you know uh, our opening day is probably not going to be maybe until the second weekend, the second Saturday in September, and a whole lot can happen between now and then. I mean, the, you know, the the state of Iowa has gone through, as I said, some spikes. So there, you know, I think that may have been a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a wake up call for people, and hopefully they're being responsible and you know maybe you know more mask conscious than they have been. Um, you know, again, the 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 situation in Nebraska, which was at one time, you know, pretty hairy in both uh, Lincoln and Omaha, has um, you know has calmed down a little bit. And um, I don't know, we, you know, we're just we, we just feel like, you know, we don't want to go, uh, we don't want to make decisions based on what other people are doing. Um, we want to make decisions that we think are best that, that are in our best interest, and still while still keeping everybody you know, as safe as possible in this, um, you know, with this crazy, you know, transmissible virus. Are you following at least the, the, the guidance from the perspective of, you know, campuses can, or at least preseason practice could start maybe as early as August 10th, like the NCAA indicated, or, you know, given that maybe later September start date, you'll push that back and just kind of, uh, you know, see, see where it goes from there. Yeah, I, I think there. I think our, um, you know, once we do settle on a on an opening weekend date, that there could be some, there might be some schools that uh, that bring their football players back, in particular, um, you know, a little bit later because you know we we would be starting a week later. Um, you know, I think there are actually still some schools that um, the, the flexibility was given. You know, with the August tenth reporting date, the flexibility was given for an unlimited amount of administrative days. So I think some of our schools are taking advantage of bringing, you know, bringing those uh, those student athletes back to campus for those administrative days in another way to maybe, um, you know, get an initial read on where they are virus wise. Um, there might be there's there's probably going to be some quarantining going on you know, during those administrative days so that when they do, if they are able to start practice on August 10th, that, um, you know, again, that they've, uh, that they sort of proved on, it proved in the early going that they are, that they're healthy. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, with the decision to, you know, to in all likelihood move our opening day back to September 12th, the football programs could decide to, you know, to bring their, um, their football student athletes back in a little bit later. But others may decide, you know, again, let's get them, let's get them on campus. Let's, you know, let's get them in the habits uh, that we want to have them in for the entire season, and you know, and get the, 
get those evaluations done on where you know on, on overall you know on their overall health and and go you know and then and and use that as a base to hopefully um, you know get through a, a preseason without major um, COVID impact and then you know then it and then then kind of all bets are off once we get into the regular season and you have to go compete against somebody else. The dog's pretty excited in the background about uh, the ARC playing football. Yeah. I can tell you that yeah. much. It's yeah. okay. That's Rocky. <laughs> That's Rocky the dachshund. Uh, she's my. It's my sister's dog, and um, he barks at pretty much um, every movement. So um, I That's apologize fine. for not getting into a better spot. It's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> JB has this happen all the time. It's called revenge, actually, for me. But uh, here's another question for you about the skepticism uh, out there a little bit. Uh, you know, skeptics would say this. Hey, Chuck. Right. 213 teams, as of right now, are going to be attempting to play spring football, including apparently the WIAC, even though their announcement may have left some question as to whether they mean that or not, uh, ultimately, and that's up to them to clarify. But you get the point that there's a lot of teams aiming for spring football that have canceled. So yep. why not why not join the fray? Why not just say spring football is what we're going to aim for here and you know we'll, we'll do what everybody else is doing so that we have a little bit of continuity and equity in the whole situation. What was the deciding factor for coaches to not go into the spring like the rest of their colleagues in other uh, schools and conferences were doing? Well, um, I, again, um, we have, we don't have a firm answer yet from the NCAA, but um, you know the word is that if fall championships are canceled, in fact, they will be canceled. They will not be rescheduled for the spring. So the NCAA, they're playing in. You know, if if the if the word we were getting that the it was that the NCAA championships were going to be moved from the fall to the spring, I think it would have been a much different conversation for us as a conference. I don't think that anybody would would have wanted to, you know, try and not be part of a national, you know, a national tournament that would happen in the spring. All indications are that that's not going to happen, um, and you know, so that so that's one piece. The other piece, um, the other piece is that you know we. Um, we just do we want to you know do we want to try and provide something you know in the fall or do we want to go in you know or do we want to really you know pile up things on athletic trainers support staff etc in the spring when you know the, i think you know the, those folks are all the, the other conferences are saying the other conferences are saying well, well we'll just figure that out well good luck with figuring it out and you know we may, if things change with the virus here and we have, you know, giant spikes or we have a change in condition, we may, you know, we may opt to go to the spring too. But it's looked at, I think, as a last resort in our league because of, of the potential ramifications that you're going to have with, um, you know, with, with, with just overloading people in the spring, facilities, athletic trainers, support staff. I mean, how is that all going to happen? And let's not forget that the winter stuff is not out of the woods yet. So, I mean, what if the what if this thing you know lasts on through the the the, the bulk of the fall, and now your winter seasons move back, and the NCAA talks about maybe even moving winter championships back, or or they don't, and you know, and and you get you get into a, a situation where you're talking about moving your winter season back now too, and so now you're going to have. The potential of an overlap between your fall, winter, and spring sports all in the spring. I just, we just don't think it's, 
We just think that's an untenable position and that we're better off trying to, you know, play a season here in the fall um, with a conference championship. Well, that I mean, football probably would not involve a conference championship because of the because of the limited amount of, of, of contests. But, you know, our, our, our goal going in is that we're going to have conference championships in virtually all of our fall sports. And why not try to make that happen at a time on our campuses when, yes, the virus's impact is unknown, but, you know, is it is that is it better to try and go into something, you know, with in that environment as opposed to piling on people in the spring where they're just going to be where people are going to be working, you know, 24 um, you know, on, you know, trying to get what is it? I mean, in our in our league, it would be, you know, 12, te- 12 sports going on going on at the same time. Just don't, you know, just don't see that as a as an option. But, um, you know, if if we get back into that corner, I think we you know, we would we would try to make it happen. But I think we need to get back into that corner right now. We don't feel like we are. We feel like we we have a window that we might be able to make happen in the fall. And we're going to try. Yeah, this is kind of a two-part question for you, Chuck. Number one, you mentioned the NCAA. Certain people have been kind of critical of uh, the way they've handled things um, over the past couple of weeks and and the amount of guidance or lack thereof um, coming from them. Uh, but also a big question because we our show is really focused a lot on the, on the experience of the student athletes, right? Um, and so when it comes down to like the eligibility protection within the like the five game rule that the NCAA has provided, mm-hmm. I mean, how is that informing you know your decision as you try to put together a fall schedule for football? Yeah, I mean it's it's informing our decision. I mean we're you know we're we're intentionally kind of uh, you know trying to stay within that five games just so that we can preserve um, the year of eligibility. But you know it's it's also I I. I I don't want to say that it's that it's been the primary driver, but um, but you know we are we are concerned about um, you know about that uh, you know about that year for those you know for that limited number of uh, of individuals who might want to seek uh, you know the um, that following year. But our, we've also not put any limits on non-conference competition at this point, and there might not be any non-conference competition to happen, although. You know, I don't know what the NAI is going to do. Um, you know, we don't know. Um, you know, if our schools might choose to play, you know, each other in, um, you know, in a in a uh, a non-conference game against a conference opponent. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 certainly, you know, what whatever number we had. I mean, I, I don't know. We just, we feel like we feel like mostly that you know that going with a realistic number of contests. You know, irregardless of what the NCAA has laid down as the as the new minimum, um, that you know, coming up with a, a schedule that you know is probably going to have built-in bye weeks, and that you know that automatically limits the number of contests you can play. Um, you know, that coming up with a realistic goal of trying to get competition in, um, you know, and it kind of fits in with the you know with that new number of five that. Um, you know that we kind of kill two birds with one stone. We 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 set out a schedule that we think is realistic to, um, if you can even use that word in these times, that we think is realistic to you know to complete, um, but that also you know would you know would would um, preserve eligibility again for 
Um, I don't know how many, you know, seniors would even want to, would, would even want to come back, I guess, you know, part right. of it could depend on what, what kind of team you think you have, but um, sure. that fits the, 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 it fits, it fits in with, uh, with both, I guess, both sets of the, of the rationale, um, something realistic and also, you know, um, keeping in mind the student athlete and um, remaining eligibility. Chuck, uh, we know you've got other meetings to go to. I have one more uh, question for you, though. We appreciate sure. your time here to discuss the ARC sure. uh, playing spring or playing a fall football. Uh, rather, I'm so used to saying spring football lately. Uh, it, it just doesn't roll out anymore. Fall football. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, there's 28 conferences out there, and uh, you have 27 colleagues as uh, conference commissioners uh, that are probably they woke up yesterday like I did, and read this release and had to read it about two or three times and said. Chuck, what are you smoking this week? I mean, what are you doing here? You obviously misprinted something, Chuck. What has the reaction been? And I mean, have has any conference sort of said, what are you doing to allow your teams to play because of the testing dollars that uh, we we're fearful of, or the you know uncertainties that we're fearful of, or a bunch of other things that uh, have been kind of trotted out there as reasons not to play? Have any of them said we might reconsider? And honestly, is this the ARC's final guidance? It, unless something major changes with the virus in the states where your schools reside, I, I think this is the final. I, I do think it is the final guidance. Unless something really changes uh, drastically, I think we are going to, you know, try to bring, try to have a safe preseason, and you know, and and, and hope that a safe preseason, um, you know, leads to a, a safe regular season. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there, there are some conference commissioners that I've talked to who, uh, you know, have said that they're just, you know, they are, they are absolutely going to follow the NCA guidelines as they are, um, as they are published and they're going to consider those as requirements and not, um, something that's optional. Um, I don't think anybody's going to reconsider. I think, you know, once you, once you make a decision, I think that ship has sailed, um, as far as canceling, I mean, you know, again, we we've made the decision that we're going to try and go forward but you know if we if there are um factors at play here that you know that cause our presidents to you know to think differently then clearly we will make a decision to uh to shut things down but i don't i don't know how you i don't know how you shut things down or make an announcement that you're shutting things down and then go back and say you are going to play i don't i don't know how that i don't know how you do that but i think i think we could um, you know, especially since some of these conferences have made decisions in the last couple of days, there's nothing to say that we couldn't, uh, that we couldn't change as well. But, um, you know, we, we don't like where we are. Nobody likes where, where they are with regard to this whole thing. But, you know, we do feel like we, we have the, have the opportunity to, you know, to, to maybe make it happen. And it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what the eventual decisions are by the MIAA and the UMAC as well. I mean, you know, if they're going to, you know, do we want to be the last man standing? You know, I, I guess we're I guess we're not concerned about it. You know, we're you know, if, I think our presidents, right. if they if they had a, if they were worried about perception here, um, we would have made a, a different decision, I think. So um, we'll just have to see what happens with those other two leagues and and then just see what happens with, uh, you know, with our um, without, you know, how how we get through a preseason and hopefully, you know, start starting to play in September. If we're the only yes. Division Three conference is playing, then, then I guess you know we'll 
we'll either uh, <laughs> we'll either we'll, we'll be an example one way or the other, I guess. Well, I know Frank's going to wrap this up, but I, my, my my saying that I've that I've come attached to during the month of July is something that Albert Einstein once said, which is, "I'd rather be an optimist than a fool than a pessimist and be right." So, I like the optimism. I like the fact that you guys are, are at least you know doing what you can, and we wish you luck, and thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot. And just uh, for folks to know, as of 2 p.m. Uh, Wednesday, which is when we are uh, recording this Eastern time, we do not have the answer from the UMAC and the MIAA, so we're holding out hope for uh, some other uh, teams to maybe join you as the examples, as you suggested, uh, to go out and see what the fall can bring in terms of football. So, Chuck, thank you very much. Really appreciate it, you guys, and thanks for all you do for Division Three football, too. Thank you. Again, thanks to Chuck Urigan. Uh, you know, coming into the interview, I kind of talked about this exuding confidence that we, we denoted from talking with him even further than the interview from, you know, what the conference uh, is suggesting or what the uh, people behind the scenes of the conference were suggesting uh, you know, or why they were suggesting doing it and to the degree that they felt this was the right move. Overall, what is your feeling about that interview and what the ARC is doing right now? Well, I mean, I, I think the fact that they um, are admitting that their plan is, you know, they're, they're going forward, they're, they're going to do the best they can to make it happen, but they're also acknowledging some of the caveats that, you know, hey, it's only, uh, you know, late July, it'll be August soon, and that things could change down the road. And I think, um, you know, based on the conversation we had with Chuck, that they're, they've, they've covered off on all the bases, but there is, at the end of the day, this, um, this confidence that, uh, there is some guidance out there. It can be followed or not to the extent that works uh, for the individual member institutions of the, of the conference and that they're going to keep uh, going ahead and, and trying to make it happen until the point where they feel like they can't. And it seems like with some of the, you know, some of the bye weeks, maybe separating things that could help with, you know, quarantines or situations should uh, something happen if someone tests positive, um, you know, they could backload the schedule if they need to, depending on how things go in the fall once everyone gets back to campus. I don't know, there's, there's still a lot that's up in the air, but they at least have a plan and they're sticking to it, which is a lot more than pretty much everybody else has done. So, Yeah, uh, I, I think, we, like we said, we were all a little surprised when we woke up on Tuesday morning to find yeah. out that there's a conference that decided to buck the trend on this whole thing, at least for now. And, you know, uh, we pray that it works for them uh, because it working means that people don't get sick, that competition occurs yeah. without problems. No teams have to get shut down uh, in the process. He discussed some of the things that happened in the high school sports and some teams had to get shut down in Iowa. But at the same time, they did finish the season with, I think, 96% of the teams intact, I think is what he said. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know what? They did it in an informed basis, it sounds like. It wasn't a fly-by-the-sea-or-pants type of answer where they're like, oh, we don't need science or we don't need numbers or st statistics or somebody else trying it. Yeah. They actually sort of went through all those motions and got the statistics they needed and made the decision. Whether it's the right or wrong one, time's going to tell more than we will. But yeah. there's a decision and there's a reason for it ultimately. Okay, sitting here right now, we've had another week to think about this or so, a week and a half basically. What chances do you give a spring football season to work sitting here right now? 
I mean, the easy answer is 50-50, right? Because uh, there's enough of a, a pool of schools, like 213 at this point, um, that are out on the fall. So I could see at least you know half or more of them really pushing for a, a spring season. So I think there's definitely a chance something could happen, but how and when and where and how all those things come together is still uh, pretty much up in the air. And there's a part of me that really wouldn't be surprised if the whole spring football thing just kind of ends up being a few scrimmages and um, maybe some padded practices or something. And that's it because of uh, some of the outstanding risks. I mean, Dr. Strickland in our last show said that, you know, you're going to be still testing kids into the winter and possibly even into the spring. Um, so it's, it's not like this is just going to go away. If there's a vaccine in the fall, that changes the story. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Division three uh, management council's decision was to give 114 days of uh, active competition uh, for the schools, no more than six days a week uh, in the process of it. And that means you can use it over a number of weeks. If you decide to only play five games in the spring, that means you have a lot of days you can carry back into the fall with you ultimately and play the scrimmages or the scrimmage uh, like we had discussed ultimately or do some other things with it ultimately too. So there's some wide open decision making to be had based on the current guidance and rules by the NCAA. Where it goes, I really can't tell you folks. This is We've been asking lots of coaches and lots of conference folks a lot of questions over the last week to try to get some clarity, try to, to try to get some more consensus on things. I, I, I can't. I, I think the five-game rule is probably the overall driving impetus here to make this happen. But I'm going to say 35-65 uh, in terms of percentage terms that we'll have a spring season of some sort, uh, some meaningful sort. 35% yes, I'm saying right now. I just see too many arguments that will be developing, too many people saying, you know what, if that's the way we're going to do it, I'm out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, too many student athletes saying, look, I'm going to go play baseball. I'm going to go play lacrosse. I didn't get to play it last year. You know what? I'd rather play full season of lacrosse or baseball than kind of what the uh, kids call a nerfed season of <laughs> football. We'll see where it goes. There's a lot to discuss. Again, we're going to try to stay off this thing a little bit uh, to the degree possible, but we wanted to answer some of these questions and talk to Chuck. We appreciate him joining us from the American Rivers Conference. Until next time, for JB, this is Frank saying thanks for being in the huddle with us.